I'm going to ask if you will to turn with me to the letter of Ephesians, written by the hand of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 4, and we will read verses 1 through 6. We are in the series called Connected, My Life in the Church. And today, the title of the message is Walking in a Worthy Manner. Walking in a Worthy Manner. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And out of reverence of the reading of God's Word, if you will, I'll ask that you stand as we read verses 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And all of God's children said, May God add his blessings to the reading of his word today, knowing that it will not return empty unto him. You may be seated. Imagine, if you will, this morning that you had heard on the news where a great explorer had heard of the most precious, rare, and expensive jewel found deep within the earth. And you had watched where that explorer had went deep into the earth and men died on this journey and to seek out this rarest and most precious of jewels and they found it, but not at the cost of the explorer's life along with others. They found this very pr- rare, beautiful, priceless jewel. And imagine after watching that upon the news that one day the knock came at the door and it was those that were connected with the explorer and they put that jewel in your hands. Not because you were worthy, but because you were chosen to care for it. And see how you care for that most precious and rare, priceless jewel would reveal your character. Knowing that many had given their life for it and the value of it. But it also reveals how much you are appreciative of what has been given to you. Beloved, we have been given some wonderful things. Paul has just spent the first three chapters of Ephesians revealing what God has done and is doing for His people through Christ and the Holy Spirit. He mentions, and we'll read in a moment, how we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through Christ. He shared how they were saved by grace and through faith and not by their works. He reminded them that they were no longer strangers or aliens 
uh, to the kingdom of God, but now they were citizens. They were the family of God. They were the stones that of the temple that God is building. And he's, he begins chapter 4, as we know chapter 4, with the words, I therefore, because of all these immeasurable blessings and eternal privileges, they were to walk in a worthy manner. A manner worthy of the calling to which they've been called to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? God, how often I am guilty and I do not believe that I stand alone within your church today of not caring as I should for the precious jewel of salvation that has been deposited into my life. And especially, Lord, appreciating of the love that was demonstrated, the sacrifice by you to bring me that jewel. How you gave it to me, Lord, by your immeasurable grace because of your righteousness and not of mine. Lord, we thank you that you have connected us together through the blood spilt at the cross of Calvary through the empty tomb, and through the hope, Lord, of Your return. And Heavenly Father, understanding all that, give us strength today and speak to us that we also might walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Use me, a very simple-minded man, to share the mysteries of the gospel. In Jesus' name, I ask these things, and for His sake and glory, Amen. When we think of the precious jewel, and some of these I mentioned or referred to, we see quite a few scriptures. As I said, the first three chapters in Ephesians have to do with what God has done for us through His love through Jesus Christ. And the last three chapters, four through six, have to do with our response to that and how we live. But some scriptures I'm not teaching, but I want to read this morning uh, that show that in the first three chapters. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow. Verse 11 of the same chapter. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. In chapter 2, in verses 5 through 7, it says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. And again in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 2, Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, 
having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The calling to which we have been called is the most valuable calling. It is precious. It is beautiful. It is holy. It is to be cared for, to be kept with great fervency. Also with great excitement, to be considered as a sacred thing, to be protected within our care. This precious jewel has been deposited into our life, not because we deserved it, but because of God's great love for us, that He revealed through Jesus Christ. And we who once were far away from our Creator have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ by grace and through faith. Yes, the calling to which we've been called is the most valuable calling upon this earth. You have no greater name upon this earth than to be called a child of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no higher calling upon the face of this earth than to be called a Christian, a little Christ. There is no greater family to be a part of upon the face of this earth than to be in the family of God through Jesus Christ. This calling to which we've been called is the most valuable calling that we find. It is the most rarest and purest immeasurable jewel that God has placed upon the earth. Paul says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. This is a prison epistle and he's writing this from a prison cell. He said, I urge you to walk. And walk means conduct one's life. And then we ask the question, how are we to conduct our lives within the church when we have been called by Christ to receive the joys and privileges of being citizens of the kingdom and a part of the family of God? In other words, how do we care for this wonderful jewel that God has given us, His grace, His love, and an inheritance through the family of God. Well, God does not leave us to wonder upon these things or to come up with a plan for ourselves, but He has spoken them through His Word. We read through the writings of the Holy Spirit through the hands of the Apostle Paul this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. According to the Bible, these are characteristics that are to describe our walk, our conduct in our life within the church. Humility is to describe our life within the church. Not pride, but humility. Putting others above ourselves. Not being prideful which time and time and time again we are warned of the dangers of pride in our life, how it destroys our life, how it destroys the lives of others, our families, and even the church of God in the local bodies, local churches, 
Pride destroys lives. It destroys our witness. It destroys relationships. But Paul here says we are to walk with humility. This is what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. This is one of the characteristics of how we care for the great jewel of salvation that God so lovingly deposited into our life and our care. We are to walk with humility. C.S. Lewis said something like this, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. And how true that is. Another characteristic that is to describe our walk within the church is gentleness. Gentleness or meekness. And let me remind you that meekness is not weakness. It is a great strength that very few upon the earth display in our life from day to day. Gentleness, being gentle with others, not harsh, not overbearing, not being a bully, but being gentle with them in our relationships within the church. Another characteristic of our walk within the church is patience. Patience, waiting on one another, caring for those who might not be at the same stage in their walk with Christ as we are, being patient with them, and then also bearing with one another in love. Do you know what that means? That means putting up with others' faults in love. Let me say that again. Putting up with others' faults in love. These are to describe our life within the body of Christ. Christ has connected us together. And we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And don't all of these characteristics describe our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that connected us? He was humble. He was gentle or meek. He was patient and still is. And he bare, he, he bore with those around him with love, even in their faults. He still does that for me today. Amen. Does he do that for you? Oh, only about three of you are excited about that. The rest of you must have it all together. I don't know. I do not. This is to describe our life with each other in the church. Humbleness, gentleness, patience, putting up with one another even in our faults. Let me ask you an honest question and... You don't have to answer this out loud. As a matter of fact, I'd rather you not. Do these characteristics often too little describe the American church today? I'm afraid that they do. I'm afraid that there's been many fractions within the church in America because of a lack of humility. I'm afraid that there have been many Fractions within the church in the world because of a lack of gentleness and meekness. Listen, I love uh, a good old John Wayne movie just like a lot of you. But John Wayne's words are not to be held over the words of our Lord and Savior. 
Only got three amens on that one, too. Some of you aren't convinced yet, but in one of his characters, he said, don't ever apologize to somebody. It shows weakness. And I want to tell you, that's not a good way to live. It might be a fun way to watch an old cowboy, but that's not biblical wisdom. We are to be humble. We are to be gentle. We are to be patient with those who might be weaker and younger in their faith or going through a difficult time and processing things differently than we are. And we're to bear up with one another in love, even in their faults. Not ditching the church when everyone gets on our nerves or they don't do things just the way we want. Unfortunately, that doesn't always describe the body of Christ in our land today. We are to renounce and repent of the opposite of these things. We are to renounce and repent within the church those who have had the calling of Jesus Christ to come unto Him and to find rest for the weary souls that has had the jewel deposited, the presence of God, the grace of God, the love of God placed within their life. We are to renounce and repent of self-centeredness and pride, of harshness with one another, of selfish agendas, being short with others and not willing to wait with them and help them in their journey, to be un- have unfair and unrealistic expectations upon other people that we have placed upon them and not God. How often our lives are described by the latter or by, the, by those that I just read. Self-centeredness and pride too often is reflected within the pews of the church. Did the pastor shake my hand? Did so-and-so remember me? What about my, so to speak, my ministry? Or harshness, harsh words spoken when we are walking in pride. And I want you to notice how these connect with each other. If you're self-centered and prideful and don't get your way, you'll be harsh. And then you'll be selfish and short with others, not wanting to wait for others in their journey. And then you'll set unfair and unrealistic expectations upon other people while you have a different set for yourself. And the opposite is true as well. If you walk in humility, you'll be more gentle. And then with gentleness, you'll be more patient with others. And then with patience, you will bear with one another in love. You'll put up with one another in love even when you get on each other's nerves. Beloved, I've been raised in the church, and I've been guilty of some of these myself. But I've been raised in the church, and even those that we have seen come and go here, I've had not many, but some calls of frustration, out of anger, out of harsh words. I want to tell you, it's never been over the gospel. The harshest words that have been spoken to me as a pastor have never had anything to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never. 
And it can all be traced back to self-centeredness and pride, harshness, selfish agendas, unwilling to wait upon your brother and sister, even if they're not where you are, or unrealistic expectations upon me or others within the church. But humility is not always easy, and I have not always shown it. Gentleness is always not our first reaction, and I have been guilty of harshness. Patience. I have failed in patience many times. And bearing with one another in love, putting up with others and their faults, is not always easy. And that's why we need the work of the Holy Spirit to remain in unity. You see, unity is provided in and through Christ. But, unity, or to stay unified, takes work and sacrifice. It does. Unity is provided through and in Christ, but to remain unified, it takes work and sacrifice. Week after week after week. Unity is given and provided through Jesus Christ, but it takes constant work and sacrifice. Look at verses 4-6. through There is one body. There's one church. There's one Holy Spirit that is given to us. The Spirit of Christ. We have one hope. We have one Lord, we have one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. God has given us all of these. And all of these have united us to here today. Different ages, different races, different cultural backgrounds, different social statuses, here even within this room. But God has connected us all through the blood of Christ. We all do have, we all are in one body once we have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We all are sealed with one Spirit. We all have one hope, and that hope is in the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. His judgment and the setting up of the new heaven and the new earth. We have one Lord. We have one faith. There is one baptism, one God and Father. All of these things unite us. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. All of these things unite us. And this is what will keep us unified when we major upon the body of Christ and not our own agendas and body. When we are led by the one Spirit that unites us and brings us together in all endeavors for Christ. When we focus upon the one hope of the return of Christ and everything we do is pointing others at Jesus is coming again. When we come together to worship not ourselves and not felt needs, but we come to worship the Lord God Almighty. His name is Jesus. He is the name above all other names. When we come in one faith, that one way, by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ, 
When we understand that there is one baptism, yes, it reflects the water, but it's speaking of the presence of Christ baptizing us. One God and Father. When we focus our souls and our minds and our bodies upon what connected us in the first place, this is the only thing that connected us. It's what connects us today. And we must fight and sacrifice to stay unified in these very things. We cannot allow the color of the carpet or the time of a service or how someone does something different than the other to pull us apart when God has given us this rare jewel, this priceless jewel, and deposited it into our life for our care. We must walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. We are to work with the Spirit's help to remain in unity. And beloved, God blesses His people when they come to Him in one accord. You remember in Acts in chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came. They were in the upper room and they were in one accord. They were of one mind being obedient to the words of Jesus Christ to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were in one accord together praying and the Holy Spirit came. God blesses His people when they come to Him in one accord. And we can't say that God normally blesses a church with His power and His strength and abundant fruit when they have not been in one accord for lengthy periods of time. God's not going to bless that, beloved. If you're being prideful with your brother or sister and harsh, if you're not willing to wait on others, if you're mad because they're not where you are, and you don't want to wait with them and help them along the way, and you're not willing to put up with others' faults, but you expect others to put up with yours, God's not going to bless that. God's not going to bless this fractioned church with His power and His presence. Not for very long. We must deal with the improper attitudes of self-centeredness and harshness and selfish agendas and unfair and unrealistic expectations upon others. We've got to deal with these things. God wants His people in the upper room in one accord praying and the Spirit will come down. Listen and think about this old fable, the four oxen and the lion. A lion used to prowl about a field in which four oxen used to dwell and Many a time, the lion would try to attack the oxen, but whenever he came near, they turned their tails toward one another so that whenever, whichever way the lion tried to approach them, he was met with the horns of one of them. At last, however, there became bickering and quarreling among the four oxen. One break broke ranks, and then another and then another. 
And there, because they began to quarrel, they were not protecting one another. Each went off to pasture alone in a separate corner of the field. Then the lion attacked one and killed it and ate it. Then the lion attacked another, killed it and ate it. Then he attacked and killed another and ate it. And finally, the last, he did the same. Beloved, listen to me. When we think about our life within the church and how God has done so much to connect us and how we must walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called, when we are self-centered, when we're harsh with each other, when we're impatient and not loving others even in their weaknesses and working towards staying unified where God has connected us, that's what happens to us. We fraction off into little groups by ourselves and we become easy prey for Satan's attacks. And one by one, he attacks our fractions, our little split-off groups, and he destroys it there. And then he goes to the next, and the next, and the next. And see, what happens then is God is not glorified. And people on the outside of the church don't see the goodness of God. And they're not drawn to Him, which Ephesians also says that in chapter 2, right after that great verse of, we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. Verse 9 and 10, not a result of work, so that no one may boast we are saved, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them when they don't see these things they're not drawn to the glory of God and his workmanship within our life but the opposite is true as well when we major upon the things that God has done to connect us the one faith One Lord, one body, one baptism, one God and Father. When we work and sacrifice to stay connected and unified in the body with humbleness and gentleness and patience and loving our brother and sister even in their faults, people see that. And the glory of God is among us. And God blesses that in a beautiful way. And people are drawn from the outside into the church when they see a mighty God and how He changes people's lives for the better. See, people want to see us take care of that great jewel. What describes your relationship to the church today, honestly? Are you connected with your brothers and sisters in unity? Are you really? Are you even a part of that? Are you just kind of been drifting around for years and in case something bad happens so you can cut out quick? Do you really think that's the church that God has described to us in the New Testament? What's really keeping you from being connected in the church? Well, I have this thought, and I have this thought, and I have this problem with that. And I want to ask you something. Then does what's keeping you apart 
from being a part of the church, I want to ask you these questions. Does it reflect humility? Does it reflect gentleness? Does it reflect patience? Does it reflect bearing with one another in love? Honestly, does it reflect that? With whatever reasons is keeping you disconnected to the local body, the local church? Does it reflect those things? And if not, is it really worth keeping you disconnected from the church? If it does not reflect those things, is it worth keeping you disconnected from the church? Beloved, for all of us, are we walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called through Jesus Christ? Christian, I want to ask you, and I have to ask myself this, how are we caring for the beautiful jewel that has been deposited into our life? The great gift of God's Spirit One body, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, in all and through all. Let us, the church, care for this jewel together with humility, gentleness, patience, and a love that bears with one another. Even if we sometimes snore in the service. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank You for this Word that corrects and that heals, that sustains, that strengthens Your body today. And I pray, Lord, that Your Spirit would do just that. That it would correct us of improper attitudes and motives, Lord. That it would strengthen this local body and the church as a whole. That You would heal wounds that need to be healed. And that You would knit us together in love, Lord Jesus, For your glory. That others may see how we care for the jewel and be drawn to you. Thank you for connecting us, Lord, through you. We're all here in different places in our life, from different places, but yet we are one through you. Would you save the sinner today, Lord Jesus? by grace and through faith? Would you restore your child who has drifted away? Would you build us, Lord, today stronger than we were? In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.